Boom, baby. So, got Jed Morley in the house today. Man, you got a pretty killer background. We've been sitting here talking for a little bit. You have done just about everything you can think of as far as marketing, uh, real estate, transactions. You even built your own software so that you can start creating funnels and stuff to, to close deals, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, nice to meet you. It's so great to be on your podcast today. I'm super excited to be here. And I literally loved the time we spent together. Yeah, man. So why don't we, you got to do a, a little jump into your background. You said something to me that I think a lot of people uh, would resonate with because you were saying like, I'm trying to figure out, I think you were a little bit humble pie saying that you didn't necessarily have a superpower, but you were really, really good at networking. The next thing you know, all of a sudden you can do all kinds of stuff. Like you had to go into that backstory a little bit because that was a fascinating one as you were explaining it. Well, let me, let me go back a little further than that even. So okay. one of the things that people don't really know about me is that I'm number eight of 13 siblings. So eight of 13, exactly. I got eight kids. <laughs> Dude, there you go. You're right there. Well, wow. so I have five and I think my dad honestly teased me saying he wasn't even warmed up with five. <laughs> right. And so, you know, with 13, but you know, the thing that was so cool is I got a very unique perspective of having very successful siblings that I got to watch grow, develop, get married, start families, start businesses, careers while I got to analyze and evaluate what everybody was doing. Oh, yeah. And so with that start, it really helped me go, okay, where do I want to go? How do I want to get there? And then I had a you know a resource everywhere I went with these siblings that were vastly successful in real estate, construction, development, you know, attorneys, yeah. doctors, all kinds of things, right? So it gave me a very broad base. And I think that's a big advantage that I have. And so with that perspective in mind, my whole life, I've been an entrepreneur, you know, from, oh, yeah. from the moment I, I was a lumberjack up in Alaska and, you know, sitting there cutting down trees, helicopter logging when I'm 19 <laughs> years old and thinking about, okay, every tree we cut down would literally get dumped in the ocean in this big, huge circle. And then they would tow it over to Japan because they had no natural resources. And I was always curious, like where in the world, how has all of this taken place with our natural resources being sold off to foreign countries and what is my role in this you know and i and i'm telling you there's so many fascinating things about my life that have helped forge where i'm at today yeah oh, and so with that said mike i think the key was i learned early on that one of my powers if i have one it is i love people yeah and i'm a connector i never forget like deals that I did 30 years ago. And I was always interested in the person and what they did, why they did what they did. And then years later, I would be connecting with them saying, hey, knowing what you know, you need to meet so-and-so. And that's been a huge opportunity for me. Yeah, just closing them left and right. I, yep. I mean, heck, that's funny that you even described that. I guess on my own journey. I wanted to be a dentist and I was like, that's cool. But then I'm like, wait a minute. But then I'm in, that's a, that's a specific like skill set. If I'm not sitting in an office cleaning somebody's teeth, I'm not getting a check. Exactly. I'm like, all right. So if I want to be a doctor, same mm -hmm. problem, mm -hmm. like except then, then I'm on call. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally started sifting through all the professions, like which one would do this, which one would do this or create the good life. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the end I had to turn away almost every opportunity I thought would have been good because that's not going to align with where I'm go where I'm going. 
Yeah. And I can tell you did that. Well, with, with eight kids, five kids, whatever, right? You need flexibility. You want to be able to say, hey, I want to be my own boss, create my own journey and have the opportunities that that affords, yeah. right? So with that said, I mean, you know, I'll tell you, I, I got into real estate. I, I learned Spanish, did a church mission. You know, it was amazing experience for me. When I came back, started into school, it was so interesting because I went to the university and the first thing they're saying is, hey, you got to take all these elective classes, go take this class. It's a PE class. I'm like, look, I lettered in all these sports. I play competitive softball. I don't want to pay to go to take a uh, PE class. And they're like, well, that's the only way you're going to get your degree in this. And so what I did is I said, I'm going to learn and I'll always be a lifelong learner, but I don't care about the piece of paper. Yep. And so for me, I jumped at University of Phoenix and started taking classes. I went to you know the university, took the classes that I wanted, marketing and education, became a state certified mediator, learned everything I could about law and, and how to protect myself and families and ventures and all that kind of stuff. Super great. Got into real estate and that's really where I thrived because I started doing subdivisions and what was great is in the early 90s, you know, I'd sit in the model home and have all this time to think, okay, how do I get people to stop? So let me give you a couple of things that I learned, right? That's, that's, that's this is the secret. The secret is how, how to, to make them, them stop. The key was this, and these are old time lessons that I haven't shared for 20 years, right? But you think about this, it's like I drove into the model home every day as if I had never seen it before. Because see, what happens in life is so often we become creatures of habit that our laziness or our filth or whatever, we overlook it, right? So if you want somebody to stop, you have to create urgency. And so with that urgency, it is like, okay, new flags, new banners, new looks all the time, right? Creating something. So if I drove in last week, what is different this week that's going to make them want to stop? Oh, and so we started doing all kinds of marketing and, and, you know, this is before the internet. So we're looking at saying, okay, what would cause that person to stop? Well, we had seven steps, right? And it was so crazy how we <laughs> developed and refined each one of these processes, right? And it, and it really came down to there's a methodology in sales. How do I sell better than the next person? And, and again, this was something that happened every day that five o'clock, everybody got off work. They did. So I would sit in a model home and have very little traffic yep. during the day, but yep. everybody came at once. So I had to learn how to ask the knockout questions. And guess what? In real estate, I'm going to tell you really quick that if you guys haven't done this before, it's <laughs> I need to know how long have you been on the job? Where do you work? And I have to pre-assess everything within 30 seconds because my revenue came from making the right decisions with the right people because I loved everybody, but I wanted to know, make sure I was talking to the guy that could buy, not look. Dang right. And so that's really what it is. So you start evaluating all of those things. So in, in sales, in business, you have to look at those tools and say, whatever my job is, if I'm knocking doors, selling solar, doing security, doing whatever, you start to refine your pitch Absolutely. and everybody's pitch is different, right? Yep. One of the greatest old sales guys I ever met as I was one day complaining about this old crappy car and he said, let me tell you something, son. He said, there's a butt for every seat. <laughs> and I looked at that and I thought, that is so good, you know, because there really is a butt for every seat. But guess what? I want to sell as many deals as I can. So how many models makes cars and then how do i drive people to the lot right and and so from real estate here's the thing i learned i wanted to scale beyond just having you at my model 
So the internet did that for me, right? It allowed me to say, okay, instead of saying I have a hotel and I got to drive people to that that are driving by, you can have an Amazon store and I can sell to anybody in the world because I can actually market to anyone out there, right? And that's the thing that we've done is we've created a platform that allows us to take video funnels and e-commerce all into one platform and market and sell products and or communicate. So we've got unbelievable, you know, delivery mechanisms. Yeah. And and so it's been really fun. And so being the owner of a credit card processing company, I own PlatPay, Platinum Payments and PlatPay, we rebranded, remarketed, and the whole process was I can see what's working right now. What's working, what's not working in every funnel on every single customer account. So you- you got like the you got like the bird's eye view of what Amazon does when they can see exactly what products and what's moving inside every single store on the platform, and that's big numbers for us because with Absolutely. thousands of merchants, right? You can look at this and say, based off of that type of MCC code, yeah. where is risk? Where is success? What's converting? And so, you know, what's been fun is over the years we've been involved with some of the largest marketers in the world and being in the direct sell space, right? And the direct response space, primarily, you look at all those guys and they're saying, okay, how do I build this front end of a funnel? And if it's a book launch or if it's whatever your front end of the funnel is, then what's the risk? What do I, what can I say? What can I say? How do I market that successfully? And then is there continuity? And then on the back end, is there a coaching program or whatever? Every one of those have unique opportunities for marketing, sales, and risk. And being around this space forever, we've become really good at analyzing the right merchant accounts, the right providers, and the right software that allows you to grow and scale that. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, there, there's a couple of things you, you mentioned in there. You t- Like I, I brought up Alex and Layla Hermosi. Mm-hmm. You said that you know who they are. And those guys figured they found a grand slam offer that crushed it, mm-hmm. made a crap ton of money really, really fast. And all of a sudden their accounts got froze and you're like, yeah, I could have solved that problem. That put them in a big bind. Yeah. So Alex wrote an awesome book, right? Started hundred million offers and it's really the irresistible offer. And yes. you look at that and you go, yeah. okay, the opening statement in his book is about a chargeback. Yep. So you look at this and go, Hey, I sold yep. a you know, big product. Now the bank's going to freeze a hundred thousand bucks. Yep. Well, guess what? <laughs> That's my life. I get it every single week. Really? Somebody calls me and says, dude, they're, they froze my money. They're holding my money. I, you know, I can't get access to it. And so what I'm saying is when you talk about the big nameless, faceless banks, yep. PayPal, Stripe, Square, all these guys make it so easy to get an account, yep. but they don't underwrite you effectively, right? They do the basic, you know, know my customer, anti-money laundering, the AMLs, the KYCs, all the basic stuff, right? Yep. But they don't take the time, nor do they have the ability to come in and say, are you selling this and does it actually work and how does it work? Because in a launch model like Alex does and others, right? It's like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to blow that store up and we're going to do 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, $200,000 in sales on a weekend. On a weekend. Well, that's scary because risk and underwriters, hey, the sales guy that onboarded your merchant account looks at us and says, hey, great, no problem. But the risk guy's back here going, is that fraud? Is it this? Is it that? Right? And there's a lot of risk that you have to look at. So when we look at accounts, we're saying, hey, we want to make sure that from the time we onboard you, that the real guys that are going to see it on the back end 
understand what they're getting, right? Yes. So we look at that whole thing and then think about it. If, if I, in some cases, I might sell one product on a weekend and not have another sell for two or three months, right? Because Very that was the launch. So if I have a chargeback or if I have any refunds on a month that doesn't have hardly any volume, your ratios are way out of skew. So you've got to understand the real risk that's in, tied to that merchant account. And so what we do is we basically educate the merchant saying, look, you need to have the right merchant accounts. You need to make sure that you have enough of an account. You have it seasoned. And then we walk you through how that works so that when you do that launch, we're anticipating month two and three. We know what's coming, right? Yeah, And absolutely. so every day, I'm literally, I'm not joking when I say this, I get someone who asks me, well, what do I do in this case? And it's funny, but I can't tell you how many people I've told this to over the last five years. And they'll come up to me at an event and say, bro, I really wish I would have done that because this <laughs> happened. And so on the last stage I got on, I said, guys, don't call me. Yeah. Don't call me when you need me. Yeah. Call me now when you don't need me because it's a lot a, it's a it's a pain for me and it's hard for them because now their money's being held they're urgent they got to make payroll they've got inventory held you know whatever the case may be and every case is different but you know just over the weekend on friday i had a guy have some money held because a simple little case and i don't want to bore your audience right but think <laughs> about as simple as this he made a banking change he went from one bank to the other oh snap shouldn't That's be a big, a big deal, deal right? yeah nothing yeah. except that when the credit card went to ACH's account 30 bucks. There was no money in it because that account was switched. switched. So now they hold all of his money, tens of thousands of dollars, because it looks like they went out of business. And all it was, was nothing more than if you would have notified us and told us what you did, we would have made sure that that account was switched appropriately and yep. or there was 50 bucks or whatever in there to cover the fee. Yep. Well, guess what? At least they knew who they could call. They called us. It took us three days. We got it all released, all resolved. But again, if you don't have the relationship of who you call, Mike. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, I hear this over and over. And you can over don't take my word for it. Please don't. Go Google Amazon, Google, go, go Google them, right? And go find out and see what it says. PayPal froze my money. Stripe lock my account, yeah. you know, and all, and I mean, there's thousands and thousands of, uh, you know, complaints out there. Alex or Mosey's book starts off with that exact thing saying, Mr. Or Mosey, yeah, we're holding your money. He had to pay a commission. Now he's got a thousand, 1800 bucks left in his account. And he's like, holy crap, what do I do? And he makes his irresistible offer. And it is an amazing book. So I highly recommend that everybody, every one of your people read the hundred million dollar offer by Alex or Mosey. It's a great Dude, book. I bought that book and I've read it many times. Yep. We had our whole team read it every week chapter by chapter to make sure that our offers are irresistible irresistible it's funny because i i started looking at it having read that book and looking through the lenses i got i got like for example i got an advertisement in the mail from a company that does like um, take care of your car your, your lawn right mm -hmm. they said we will come out and we will do a free service on your on your lawn with a prepaid 12 month contract. I'm like, you went from irresistible to totally resistible. If you would have just left it at, I, like, we convert like crazy. We know that if we come meet with you, we got a, a belly button in front of us. We can show you our value that you would buy. If they would have just left that, we will do, you already mentioned scarcity. We have 10 openings for free lawn service for this month. Dude, I, like, people would have called on that. Mm -hmm. They would have got 10 hot leads, and I'll bet you. 
if their product was good, they would have converted them. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that. I started thinking through that after reading his book. I'm like, how would that be irresistible? I told my wife to stop throwing mail away. Yeah. I'm like, I want to look at these freaking offers that they put out there and see if any were good or bad. And that one was just so obvious. I'm like, nah, you probably should have done that different. It went from irresistible to totally resistible. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, and I, I look at us, and so I, I can tell you, the one thing that we've really mastered that's worked really well yeah. is... I want to be your truck payment. I want to make your next truck payment. I want to make your house payment. I mean that literally because I have a guy that came up to me at a mastermind not long ago and he says, dude, I love you. And I'm like, awesome. (laughs) Great. I had never met him. Like I do not know this person. Right. But he goes, Plat pay, dude, you guys made my truck payment for like five years. He goes, I referred somebody over and every single month I got a $500 check. And I'm like, yeah, man, we have a great referral program. And we do, we have an amazing program. So here's the offer that I tell people, literally, huh. it costs you nothing. So if you want to set up a referral deal yeah. and you want to get paid every single month like clockwork, yeah. refer people over, let us do a free audit. We do not pressure them. We literally say, Let me look at what you're doing. And if I can save you money, I'm going to. And if I can't, I'm going to show you where you have vulnerabilities that you need to fix anyway. Odds are, whether it's today, six months, a year from now, they'll come back to us and ask us, hey, can you give us a backup account? You can help us do something. Because I'm telling you, when you have the best team and the best services out there, okay, great. Maybe the payment system you're working with today works for you. Great. Yeah. But you're going to outgrow it. You're going to have problems. Yeah. And we'll be there to be the backup. And I'm telling you, I ask one question. In the current inflationary market that we're in today, oh yeah, do you feel more confident or less confident that the banking solutions that are out there today are going to be more or less stable? Yeah, man. There's too many moving parts. Yeah. People get all worked up over too many moving parts. Uh-huh. What happened in 2007 and eight, right? When we started in a similar market decline, right? Where yep. there's foreclosures and FDIC issues and whatever else. The banks retract. Well, guess what was one of the most profitable portions of a bank? It was the credit card side of it, right? So they're oh, yeah. selling off their books of business and that was how they could free up some of their capital and move on. Well, with that change, it was a guy that had a merchant account for years and years, all of a sudden was that account was acquired by someone else that had a completely different lending policy. And so with no oh. change on their side, yeah. all of a sudden they're that. getting restrictions, you know, money held, froze, whatever. So me and my brother actually started a company called Merchant Reserve Recovery, where we would go in and recover reserves being held by all these banks for them. Because they couldn't, you know, they have thousands of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars held. And we would come in and help them get their money back and take a percentage, right? So I've been around this from every level of like, we used to own our own chargeback processing center, doing thousands of chargebacks a month, looking at fraud, looking at risk, how we can do it. So we literally take this from the, how can I help you approach to, I know what's working. Let me help not only advise you, but really give you some good contacts and connections. So one of the things that Mike and I had the chance to do today is talk about your business, right? Yeah. And it was great. Was it great? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're answering questions that I've already had gaps on. I mean, I, I've got, I've got great product, but the one thing I know is I I need to be able to get my customers financing. And you're like, 
well, man, that's that's my expertise. I know how to close that gap. It, it was just fun seeing how you could close different gaps that I have because like me and a lot of other people, we have great product, but sometimes we're not really, we don't know exactly how to market it. And uh, I could see that you were closing gaps in my mind. Awesome. So yes, again, another thing that I can do is do the consumer finance, right? So if there's a gap that you have and you're saying, hey, I've got a product, I need to sell a big ticket, big ticket item, but maybe they can't take credit cards. We have all kinds of solutions to get funding, personal lines of credit, you know, all kinds of things. And so again, when I hear what people's needs are, I feel like if I don't have the solution, yep. I know who will. Yep. And that's probably the best resource. And here's here's my favorite thing that I have. People ask me, well, why should I choose you over someone else like Stripe? And I'm like, call Stripe and ask them to come to your next event. Get on a podcast, <laughs> give you a solution. They won't. <laughs> they won't, right? And, and it's, straight that's, up won't. there's no knock on them because they're phenomenal at what they do, right? Yeah. They they fit 80% of the market, whatever that number is, right? Of just the guys that are going to coupon clip and have no issues. But if you're an internet marketer and you have volatility at all, you need to have backup accounts, in my opinion. And I can prove over and over how that works. Here's the other thing that's really valuable, right? If you're doing an Amazon store or any other kind of e-commerce store, yep. wouldn't you love to see real analytics and say, okay, now if I can see what's working and I could piggyback and do a bump offer on another product, how would that convert, right? We have all kinds of tools that we can show you, like how you could do a bump offer. One of the things I showed you, right, where you could put that little card in a box, and Absolutely. now you're driving the lead back that you could never do on Amazon, right? Because you're now getting them to enroll in your product to get the warranty or the video tutorials, all kinds of things. So there's so many tools that we have that we wanna help people build their product, grow their product, and scale their product. And again, we have relationships with guys like Build, Grow, Scale and others that can really help you. So I welcome the challenge to talk to people about how we can help them grow. Dude, it's kind of fun listening to you describe how your business model operates. I mean, you were describing, like somebody said, people ask me that, like, why why come for you or whatever? And I'm like, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, dude, I'm probably the only one that gives referrals. I used to do it all on Venmo, so it was straight up public. I'm like, this is how much money I gave out. And then I literally could pull up evidence and say, this is how I do it. Like a lot of my clients had solar for free on their house. Or I ironically, like I would do solar and I'm like, all right, you need a water softener. You need this, you need this. Next thing you know, I'm putting roofs on houses and I'm fixing all these problems or closing gaps because like they bought a new house and their, their IT stuff wasn't set up right. So they can't even hook up their router. Mm -hmm. But ironically, I noticed that not everybody is thinking about how to close the gap on the customer so that there really is a, a straight up differentiation. And you literally just described that as part of, I guess that would be a part of your irresistible offer because you're not just like, I'm sorry, I don't care to see it for the rest of my life. In fact, ironically, I've talked to guys uh, that used to work at Vivint. Hopefully not all of them are like this, but he, he literally said, he goes, uh, they would ship me out back east. I would go inside the place. He would terrify the lady that she's going to get burglarized. Then I put fear in her, so she buys the alarm. And he goes, I'd see her in the grocery store and I'd hide. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my Atlanta. Yeah. So it, it was it was pretty entertaining. But you you said, no, I want to serve somebody. I would create a relationship with them. When you see them in the store, you would be, oh, hey, like, you would still be friends after the transaction's done. Mm -hmm. 
so that they want to stay working with you in the future. Yeah. So I'm going to give you another angle, right? Because yeah. as a salesperson, we have a fiduciary responsibility, I believe, to like, you know, look, you want to show your product and Absolutely. you want to you want to show the benefits yep. and the benefits can be, hey, you know what? I'm going to use this as a really crappy example. But yeah. Gun control today, right? Hate it, love it, whatever. You look at it and what does everybody use? They use this mass murder, one case, terrible thing, absolutely terrible, horrific, yep. right? Yep. But when you're pushing an agenda as a sales guy, I could come in and say, well, ban everything, get rid of guns, they're bad. Well, yeah. that is a view. Yep. And you could also come back and say, hey, arm them, prepare it, be ready. And, you know, it's another view, right? Like yep. it or not. As a salesperson, that's what you're doing. If you're a legislator and you're taking either one of those stances or somewhere in the middle, yep. you're pushing that sell, right? So the case you used with Vivint was like, hey, they scared them. I've heard the same kind of thing with pest control where like, hey, <laughs> these guys are going to get sprayed. So all the bugs are coming to your house. And there's there's <laughs> there are cheap ways to sell stuff, right? And, and, that, and that's the way I would describe that. Yeah. Then on the other hand, my son actually is selling for Vivint right now, right? Yep. And it's so ironic that I resisted for five years the Vivint system, but I got it last year and I can tell you straight up, like I love that system now and I'll tell you why. It has zero to do with the alarm. Zero in my case, right? Okay. I have cameras that are around my house that I have teenagers. I see when they're coming home. I know what's going on. I have horses and animals. I know who's in and out to horseshoe or pick them up or whatever. So the value for me is the intangible there. But oh, you know, yeah. you know, the one thing that I never even considered, and it's kind of funny, but it's this thing that I love is that every day after 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever of everybody being gone, that it adjusts my thermostat and it saves me energy literally. And so yeah. I can say there's a cost savings, but there's a peace of mind. And you know what? My wife loves it because it's got a security component. Yeah. So I think it's funny how each of us, you know, look at those experiences and whatever those are. And I can tell you what's funny is my son is out selling in Chicago this summer. Okay. I'll be on the front lawn doing something. He's like, Hey dad. And he sees me through the camera. So he start talking and we have this conversation, you know, yeah. and he was like, yeah, I'm showing this system to somebody that's, you know, I'm in their house right now. I'm like, Oh, yeah. Hey, cool. How you doing? So it's kind of funny because it kind of <laughs> connects us in different ways that I never would have thought possible. But you know, to go back to what the value proposition is, yeah. it is each of us have a different value proposition. And how do we take that? We, you and I will know this. You'll know this exactly. If I say BRT, what does that mean? You, you know put it. Me on the spot. It's build relationship of oh, what trust. Yeah, build yeah. it. So, so I look yeah. at this and I think, right, when I'm selling something, my job is to build a relationship of trust with you. Absolutely. But it's because I care about you and I want to get you what you need. Too often, salespeople push, 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 and they get in a cheap way of like, I can push this because this has worked, but why are you doing it, right? And if you literally believe in your product and you trust that it's gonna get the right service, the right thing for the right people, now you don't hide in the grocery store. You literally look for those opportunities to say hi, and guess what? You'll get referral after referral. Our business 
grows off of referrals because I can confidently tell you, I know I have the best product. I know I have the best team and I care more about you than the next person. And I'm going to give you the very best I can to help you win. Exactly, man. That's a win-win, right? That is a win-win. It's not me screw you and I win. It's how do I literally give you the best service? It doesn't always mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't always mean that there won't be this hiccup or that. But you know what? We'll figure that out together so that you always have the best analytics, the best payments, and the right processors in that scenario, right? And then, you know, I don't want to dominate this conversation because this is your show. Well, I brought you on so I could learn more and share with my, my audience. So you're doing all right, bro. Well, good. I truly believe that one of the weaknesses that we have today, and this is the Google world that we live in, right? When the internet started and a lot of us were like, what am I going to use? I mean, I get it in the 90s. Like, okay, cool. Why do I need this? There's an email I can send a letter. I can send a fax. Why do I need to communicate with this slow, cumbersome thing, right? right? So if we can look ahead a few years and go, okay, what is an NFT? What's the real value of that? What's the Google Oculus? What are all of these things and where are they all going to come? Where does crypto and fiat intersect, right? Correct. So these are the questions that we ask ourselves all the time. And so we are on the cutting edge of payment technology. And I could blow your mind on things that we're doing right now that are next level in the payments world. Here's something that like for you in a solar deal or whatever could be super valuable. Think about a transaction. A transaction today, I'm out knocking doors and it's card not present high ticket, solar, security, whatever. It could be a mastermind. It could be anything. So already, fraud, risk, higher fees, all of those things are inevitable. What if I could say I could s sell you a product. Now, when you go to put in your credit card information, all it asks for is your cell phone number. So now it texts you. Snap, bro. It texts you. Here's the transaction. It's on your phone. You now just tap your card to your phone. Now it's a your phone becomes the EMV card reader. Okay. So it's now just like at the gas station, card present transaction, no risk, no fraud, lower fees, no chargebacks. We are right now in beta testing that system. So when you look at what that does, card present, no chargebacks, lower fees, better transactions. We are on the verge of great things. When you look at all of those types of things. Now, how do I tie crypto in there? Well, do I have a coin? It's all just ledgers. So what's so exciting is to think about the next level and it's right around the corner. And I'm talking about this all the time in this payment space. So we're dealing with some pretty high level payment world. The world's issues. changing, man. It I, is. I don't like whether or not the dollar is going to be like the currency that we use in the, like US says it is, right? But mm -hmm. the question is, is will it be? because things things are shifting. Yeah, and so what'll be fun is to watch what happens over the next year, two years, five years, and, and there's no doubt that there will be some major shifts. What they are, none of us know for sure, but I can tell you, you and I and others that are asking the questions are going to find the solutions, and that's the difference with us and, and everyone else is we are absolutely actively looking at that. And here's the thing that's fun. I sit with a lot of VCs. We are a VC. We invest in technology. We invest in companies that we believe will have either a payment solution or a product solution for our, you know, our business as well as companies. 
And so when I look at that, I'm always in front of innovators, right? Because I want to pay, do their payments. I want to work with them. I want to so solve problems together. That's what makes it so fun for us is we have, we come at this from all different angles. First and foremost, guess what? I'm a business owner, just like you, just like everyone else. So I look at this as, would I do this? Does it make sense to yeah, us? Absolutely. What's the rate of return? How am I going to make this work, right? And uh, I, I go back to a simple thing that I learned and back in the real estate days, right? I went from doing residential real estate, sitting in the model, looking at how I could drive more traffic, and I got really, really good at it, and then I got bored because it was just cookie cutter, same kind of thing, right? And I became the developer of the project. So now I'm running stuff through the cities. I'm doing all the entitlements. I'm doing everything. So so I, I went from just the sales guy to every time they came in to, to look, I asked, do you have a home to sell? Yes. Okay, I'll list it. So I took their listings. I sold them the new home, sold their existing home, did their mortgage. Then I'm running stuff through the cities. And I literally was working from seven to 10, six days a week. You took the whole, you took the whole value chain. It, I did. And that's where I started to really see the inner workings of cities, governments, developers, contractors, doing change orders, doing everything. It was absolutely awesome. But after a while, you got so tired of, guess what? I'd spend hours picking out colors with the wife and I got <laughs> burned out. And so I got into commercial. And you know what, Mike, the crazy thing was, is I don't think I got a check for a year, not a, really? not a check for a year, because it took me a while to transition from residential to commercial. But once I figured it out, I became one of the top developers for Napa Auto Parts and Family Dollar and coming into Salt Lake and working with Colliers International and learning, that? learning all of a new language and new verticals and new everything, right? I probably worked with you in the past and didn't, didn't know it because yeah. we built Family Dollars everywhere. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Well, I loved it because what I ended up doing with that was I mastered looking at the highest and best use of properties. And the problem was, is everybody would go in, I'd fly into Phoenix, fly into Denver, fly into wherever. And I would not go look at the listed properties. I'd go knock on all the doors around them and say, what are you asking? Let me tell you, let's look at this. How can we do it? Because I'm the builder, developer, owner, right? Yep. I'm not just doing it for someone else. I'm doing it for myself. Absolutely. So I want to run the numbers, do all the, pen, you know, all that. So it became a fascination for me. And so I became really good at analyzing this. And so I came up with VAP. And it was visibility, access, and parking. And okay. as simple as that sounds, it's the same exact thing we're talking about on e-commerce, right? If I have a store, but... I don't do it right and it's not visible or I get there and the access sucks. It's the same thing as if I go and knock on a door and they're not there half the time or the traffic isn't good or, hey, guess what? Inventory's low. So, you know, I'm sold out. So it really comes down to the same thing. Real estate taught me location, 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 right? But then you look at that and say, internet's the same exact thing. It's location, location, location. But am I in the right visible do I have the right access? Do I have enough traffic and marketing and stuff? So I really look at all that thing. And I think so much of this layers on each other. Oh, absolutely. That that's really what we're doing is we're trying to help people say, if if you have a hundred leads a day, do you need more leads if you're only closing two? Or should you convert at a higher rate? So your cart abandonment, all the other Dude. stuff. Because if I can get you to four, then you can maximize that dollar way better than you can if I just keep spending money buying leads because they aren't converting. It's the same exact principle of saying, 
I have a store and I didn't pay enough money to be on the corner. I have no access or not enough parking. Guess what? It really doesn't matter at that point how much money I spend. I will always be deficient. Well, on your stores or what you're doing in your marketing, all of those things can be corrected, especially if you start out with the right plan and what you're doing. And so our goal is literally to come in and say, from a payments perspective, how do we help you become the right client and then we aren't going to necessarily build and solve all those issues, right? But I have the partnerships that do. So I, yeah, that's really the biggest thing is we look at it and say, hey, what's your goal? How do I help you accomplish that goal? Well, if you know what that goal is or what you're already doing, I think I can save you money and or change your entire monetization in what you're doing. And if I can do that, that's your irresistible offer. We want to work together and that's really it. So we come in and do audits, evaluate it, show you how we can help you save some money and give you better tools. Like that closes a lot of gaps. I mean, I can, I can see on my own space, like, because I'm not an analytics guy, I look at it and I'm like, God, what's that telling me? Because you don't know what to do, what not, what to stop doing, what to start doing, because you just might not see the data. And the problem is, as I discover, as I, as I work with me or different uh, uh, business guys, you don't always, like, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so you don't know, oh, this thing right here is what's causing me to get clogged up. Like Alex would have never got screwed up like he did where he had 120 something thousand bucks get seized because he didn't know that he had to be underwritten a certain way. And then he, and then he blew it up because he created a, he called it a grand slam, an irresistible offer, mm -hmm. something that was so good that the money just came just wickedly fast. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but like, why would he know that? Like he, he's never been in that. He's, he had, he had never been in that spot before. Right. I think he was just doing probably low-level gym memberships, not all of a sudden one day a hundred and something thousand bucks in his checking account. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I could see that. Sounds like you've been down the road and had quite a few, quite a few lessons learned. Well, the baldness and the gray hair—you know—that's the experience right there. <laughs> Those are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Those are expensive. Yeah. There, there was one thing you said too as we were talking along about real estate. I used to have fourteen. Used to have fourteen doors. Is that right? And uh, I remember the same thing that you described is when somebody would come in, I had to figure out, I got tired of saying, letting people just select individual times to come. So I started stacking them up five minutes apart, maybe 10 minutes apart and coming in. And so sometimes that all show up at once. And I had to figure out, I'm like, how do I sort through all of the people quickly mm -hmm. so that I knew which one I wanted to talk to. And then the question is, is okay, now that I've identified that person, how do I get that person to buy right now? Because I'm not, I don't want to come, keep coming back. And so I, I literally just set up a, an open house, put it in a little teeny window, schedule everybody at the same time, and then fill the unit. Mm -hmm. Like I hired property management companies and they'd come in and they, they take three months. They couldn't even fill them. I'm like, 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 what the heck, man? You're working nine to five. People come in from five to eight. Saturday's off, but that's their day off. So how'd you expect to fill a unit? Because it wasn't your money. You didn't have a, a keen sense of identifying who you wanted very quickly and then getting that person to sign on the spot to take your, take your unit. And uh, interesting how you describe that because I had, I, I mean, I dwelled on it, but I, I, like, if you asked me, Mike, what questions would you do or what would you try to do in your funnel, so to speak, to help you identify that? Well, I think I might've been competent without knowing I was what I was doing, mm -hmm. but it was very effective. Yeah. 
No, and, and I think a lot of times it's the intangibles, right? We, you may or may not be able to articulate it. Yep. It's it's interesting because I was with a guy, and you know it was funny because he's been a sales guy. He's done the Vivint door to door sales and multiple other things, you know. Yep. And we went to a sales meeting and we're together. And as we're driving back, he says to me, "He goes, do you know what you just did?" And I said, "No." And he goes, "That was so smooth." He goes, "I've never <laughs> seen anybody do that before." And I said, okay, what did you see? Because, I mean, again, I'm not aware, but I know what I do. Yes. And he said, you got so real and so raw with the person instantaneously that they believed you. And I said, well, it's because I care about that person. Like, I genuinely, when I meet someone, I care about what they, you know, it doesn't always mean I'm going to agree or that all of the things. But I really, I want to be present and I want to listen to what they're doing and what they're saying and how can I help them. That's my goal. Number one is how can I help you? And I can always, shouldn't say always, but my intent is always, right? Find the solution that's going to solve your problem. Absolutely. And sometimes it's something that I have, but oftentimes it's just a referral or it's a relationship that I have, right? And so I think that's really the key is as a salesperson, right? You're solving problems. And so if you can come in and analyze what that problem is, there's superpower there, right? And I'm going to share one last tip that I think is super valuable. So being a dad, it's awesome great experience <laughs> i fell there's lots of times that you don't do it right you know but um uh, well i'm actually i'm gonna I, i'm gonna rephrase this. i'm gonna tell two stories real quick you should. So, yeah so my daughter got really sick when she went on her church mission right okay. and so as she came home i asked her i said uh sarah what did you learn do you have any regrets and she said nope dad i learned two things and i said what are they and she said all right i learned one that I'm the hardest worker. And I said, that's awesome. She goes, that I can outwork anybody. And I said, that's great. And she said, the other is I know God and I know where I get my answers. Yep. And I said, you know what, as a dad, I did my job. Because if <laughs> if if you know what you believe yep. and you're willing to work for it, yep. there's nothing, nothing you can't accomplish. Yep. Because guess what? Every one of us are going to have trials and struggles and it's not going to be easy. But if you know what you're working for and why you're doing it yep. and you're going to work hard, you can be successful. Second story my son out knocking doors last year was a tough year it was his first year new area just got married you know he's out knocking doors oh, is this the one that's out in chicago doing the alarms yes, and stuff yes yeah. th- this is the guy that's slaying it right he's slaying it he's doing an awesome job like weekly setting new goals new records so he calls me all the time dad what about this? How about that? You know, yeah. so I'm coaching him and I've never done yeah. the door to door knocking as a sales guy. Right. So we're, I'm, but I'm like, you know, you got, you have guys that are mentors that are experts at that. Talk to them. Yeah. And he's like, well, one guy can bro with these guys so quick. And I said, that's awesome. Then if you can't bro as good as that guy, <laughs> then guess what you need to do? You need to walk faster. You need to move quicker. You need to work on your pitch. You need, you know, these yeah. are just things that you got to figure out, right? Yeah. So we're talking through all of these things. And and when he starts to realize like, hey, I can do this. This is yeah. exciting. It's fun. So now we set goals. We evaluate and stuff. But you guys, I got one of the greatest videos of all time. And I wish I could share it with you. Yeah. But here he's got his curly hair. It's raining and he's running. And he's like, guys, hey. I got this guy, he's super interested, but he told me <laughs> if I don't go buy him some Modelo's, you know, some beer, then he's not getting it done. 
So he goes, and I called on my team. Nobody could come. So you got to take matters in your own hand. So he shows the, <laughs> the six-pack as he's running back. He's like, we're going to get this deal done. He goes, at all costs. And I just look at that, and I think, you know what? At what lengths do you or I cop out and say it's either it doesn't make sense or it's too hard or it's you know not convenient or it's raining for yeah. crying out loud, you know? Yeah. To see the smile on his face, to see the confidence to say, man, I sold, you know, a dozen accounts. I've killed it. I've done all this stuff. Yeah. But you know what was so great yeah. is I used that video in my sales meeting with my team that week. And I said, okay, guys, I want you to look at this and I want you to evaluate. Are you as excited? Are you as passionate? <laughs> are you as committed, right? right? Because guess what? That's the stuff that we're all after is how do we take success yeah. and how do we articulate it, right? Absolutely. And that's what's so cool, Mike, is I'm watching you grow your businesses yeah. and I'm watching the success. I came in your home. I see your kids. You know, I look at this and I go, there is one thing that I hope everybody understands. A wise man once said, no success can compensate for failure in the home. Right. <laughs> so have that same passion and vision for your home, your family as you have for business and you'll be the richest man alive. It's true though. Boy, I tell you what, when when that's not a priority, it seems like there's a whole lot of pain when things don't work out mm -hmm. and uh kids neglected or yeah. Yep. Yeah, my wife stays home. Just got eight. I mean, who could afford daycare with eight kids, anyways? Who would want to put eight kids in daycare? <laughs> <laughs> there's days I'm sure your wife does. But <laughs> Actually, there is days because she's overwhelmed. Eight, yeah. eight was a lot. Thirteen's got to be. Thir yeah. If eight was a lot, thirteen's got to be more. Yeah, well, it was, but I can tell you, again, the times were different, right? Yeah. And today it's tough because you're looking at Instagram moms and. Photoshop, 14 pages to make one picture look good, whatever. Um, <laughs> life's hard. It yeah. is. But you know what's so awesome is yeah. if you have the right focus, it can be the biggest blessing. doesn't yeah. mean it's easy. There's a lot of times that days are tough. Yeah. My wife, your wife, you know, they work way harder than we do, you know, and I, and uh, I mean, I'm emotionally I draining because they listen. Yep. Kids bring all their baggage to them. Yep. And, and trust me now they're dealing with all the other politically bull crap and other stuff that they got to deal with at school and coming home and you know, yep. all this stuff. So it's tough, no doubt about it. And so I think the key for all of us is, is having that open policy, open communication. So I'm going to ask you a question. Now I'm going to interview one question. All right. As a dad, do you have a favorite thing that you do or a way that you communicate with your kids that has worked as your parenting? Probably the biggest thing that we do, like our kids can pretty much come to us and ask us almost anything they want. I mean, the alternative is they go ask and they go find out a different way, right? For some reason, they feel very comfortable. They feel they feel comfortable enough to ask me some straight up and, and my wife straight up questions that just make us cringe. We don't, we can't show it. Mm -hmm. We're like, all right, let's talk about that thing. Okay, let's explain this thing. You already described it as somehow creating an open door policy where they they feel safe being able to ask questions that would make you cringe. Yeah. Well, for us, my wife and I, what we do, and it's been super valuable, okay. our bed is our safe haven. So our kids have learned from the time they were little that oh, they can okay. come lay on our bed and talk to us. And so it's been so awesome. I have married kids now, and 
my daughter will come home and she'll come lay on the bed next to me and say, Dad, I want to talk to you. And we'll just lay there and talk and she'll explain what's going on. You know, we have a girl that lives with us, one of our daughter's friends, and it's been a great thing to have her living there. And it's so fun to watch Cadence and Macy come in and sit on our bed and talk to me and my wife about <laughs> all of this, you know, 20 year old kids like, what do I face here and the struggles and stuff. Yeah. And so you just look at this and you got to have a safe place, wherever that is. And again, I don't advocate one place over another. I'm just saying that's what we've done is our room is a place that these kids feel safe and can come talk and ask yeah. the questions. But I, I, I feel like there's one thing that I could share Millions of things, actually, because, you know, being one of 13 and having a dad who has never missed writing a newsletter in 30 years to us. He knows every single one. There's 205 wow. people in my immediate family. And he is a patriarch. He knows that. And so he looks from the Bible and the scriptures and he looks at all this stuff. And every week I get a five to seven page document with Every birthday, anniversary, and what he feels is important kind of as a, you know, hey, you need to focus on these things. And, you know, that kind of is amazing. Volumes. I mean, literally massive volumes. I am a lucky man. And I remember as a kid, my dad would come and say, you're our cabin or you're the boat. You know what I mean? Because of 13, <laughs> you're not going to have all those things. And I remember never going to Disneyland because there was no way, you know, they're going to afford to take us to Disneyland. And as I mentioned, I was a lumberjack up in Alaska. So when I, when I sat on the bottom of a helicopter yeah. and it flew me across the ocean, and I water skied across the ocean as a 19 year old kid. By the time I made it to Disneyland, it was pretty boring. I, did, I wasn't that impressed. <laughs> you can't really die on the rides i could die there you know or whatever right. so some funny things but but one parting thing that my you know that i've learned is this yeah. and there's is two questions and i challenge everybody to do this take a set time okay mine is sunday at five it's in my phone it goes off and ask this question what are you working on that has meaning and purpose this week yeah. And then have one question after that. What can I do to support you? Because I have teenagers and kids and I ask them these questions. I ask my wife and it doesn't matter anything, but what are they working on that has meaning and purpose to them? Yeah. Sometimes it'll be a two minute conversation. Sometimes it's 20. <laughs> and then the only thing that really matters is if that, that has meaning and purpose to them, yeah. how can I support them? And I do it with my employees as well. And I just feel like, you know what? We get so off into all these analytics and you know all the complication pull back and let them explain to you what they're working on that has meaning and purpose and i promise you you'll hear things and see things differently and then all you want to do is support them and how do you do that yeah. so that might mean after that you make a few little notes because they're doing this or that to go to this ball game or do this or do that whatever because it'll there'll be times that it just could be as simple as like i just want to go to lunch with my dad yeah, well, that's absolutely. super cool right yeah but yeah. you have to make the effort right and so it's just little things like that so i think that if we take a moment and say what are they working on and then you support them yeah. that gives them a safe place to talk communicate and uh you can take action boom baby i loved it awesome right. man so did a good job a lot of people will, would probably be interested in knowing how to find you where yeah. do they find you so i'm easy to find it's uh jed morley linkedin you can find me there and if you want to email me it's jed jed at platpay.com and those are probably the easiest ways to get hold of me easiest ways to get you yep Man, I appreciate you being on the podcast, bro. It was Thanks, awesome. Buddy. Thanks. Thanks a lot.